This is a 980 CKNW podcast. This is the Sunday Night Health Show. I am Maureen McGrath. We are wrapping up 2018 and looking ahead to 2019. Not too far ahead, though. We don't want to be disappointed. Always best to live in the present moment. That is your best present and your way to peace of mind, quite frankly. But if we do look back, and occasionally we do, let's look at what science taught us about sex in 2018. 2018 has been memorable for so many reasons. And in part, it's about what science has taught us about sex. And really, Science is so related to sex. It's important that we study this, especially in women. And so I have a little recap for you for one of the, of the most interesting things that I think, anyway, we learned about sex. So let's start with, hmm, why don't we start with women who have a better sense of smell have more orgasms? Because I think orgasms are important. They are critical to sexual satisfaction and pleasure, especially for women. And there's a lot of women out there that tell other women, uh, don't worry, the journey is just as good as the destination. It is not, ladies. Let me tell you, learn how to experience a great orgasm. And you know what? Sometimes you got to find that out for yourself. And once you do, then you can explain that to your partner or partners as to how for you, how the best way for you is to reach nirvana. Um, because that's critical. And so a lot of women feel that it's important just to service men. But if you have a great sense of smell, it's outstanding. Your chances of having an orgasm are that much better. A team of researchers out of Germany studied 70 healthy young adults about their sex lives and gave them a test of odor sensitivity. And they found that people who were more sensitive to scents rated their sexual experience as more pleasant. I think that's because they can smell the pheromones from their partner. This was true for both men and women. Interesting, though, they found that women with a stronger sense of smell had more frequent orgasms during intercourse. However, there was no link between sense of smell and orgasms for men. I think men just expect them, and so then they just get to have them all the time. What scientists think is happening here is that body odors are enhancing arousal among those with more sensitive noses. So in other words, we're talking about, what did I say? The pheromone-like effect. Uh, so that's critical. So if your person in your life has a great scent and you can have a great sense of smell, I think, uh, you know, things will soar for both of you. Also in 2018, we learned that the G spot isn't what you think it is. The elusive G spot scientists recently published one of the largest and most thorough anatomic explorations Ever of the area commonly referred to as the G-spot. The results turned up no evidence of a unique anatomic structure corresponding to the G-spot. I think the G-spot is different in every woman, and if guys would just listen to women, that might uh, you might find it. Uh, it does suggest this research that perhaps rather than thinking of the G-spot as a unique structure within the genital reason, region, it may instead be better thought of as the area where the internal part of the clitoris, urethra, and vagina all happen to intersect. But you know what? Best thing you can do, a little exploration and a little listening. That would be helpful. Listening's always good. And that's just something for you to work on this year. Everybody, work on your listening skills. We love to talk. God knows I do. But I, I work on listening. I'm not even going to say I'm going to listen more in 2019 because that's going to release dopamine in my brain and that's going to make me feel good and think I'm doing it and I'm not. So you have to just learn to zip the lip. Uh, speaking of orgasms, people's orgasms, Orgasm faces 
look different across cultures. So whether you're Irish or you're English or you're German or you're Scottish or Swedish or whatever, you are going to look different. Um, so we're, we're doing much more research into uh, science. And, you know, I don't think this is the thing everybody wants to be photographed as, but what they found in this study while you're having an orgasm, nobody wants their picture taken then (laughs) unless you have incredible Photoshop. But what they found was that the look of pain appeared to be universal across, um, but, but the look of orgasm did not. So researchers showed participants from two different cultures, half Western and half East Asian, images of people with different facial expressions and asked them to indicate whether the emotion expressed was pain, orgasm, or something else. And so the look of pain was across all cultures. It didn't matter. But the look of orgasm did not. The Western orgasm face included eyes that were opened wider and a mouth that was stretched vertically. The East Asian orgasm face included more smiling with a raised brow and closed eyes. So it's interesting to see, um, and you've you got to look further into that and wonder why that is. Another thing we learn, casual sex isn't all that casual. When researchers surveyed more than 600 college students, now keep in mind these are college students and they're probably drinking a little bit. Um, But when they researched or surveyed them about their willingness to engage in several different acts of intimacy and affection with a casual partner, they found that most participants seemed open to the idea of combining intimacy with casual sex. Of course, I think you have to have some feeling for somebody when you're having casual sex, whether that be as a great friend or just a hookup or just somebody uh, because you're attracted to them and... You're having a little fun. For instance, more than half of the participants wanted to cuddle with a casual partner, and more than a quarter wanted to gaze into one another's eyes. On average, women were more likely to want intimacy during casual sex than men. However, most men wanted intimacy too, and intimacy is important to men, and I've learned that from my prostate cancer patients who felt who had erectile, erectile dysfunction after prostatectomy, for example, or prostate cancer treatment, and what they missed the most was the intimacy. So it's not all about the sex for guys. It's also about the intimacy as well. So casual sex may not necessarily be an emotionless affair, no matter how hard you try. Also, we learned that men and women have different counting strategies when asked about the number of their previous sexual partners. Of course, women actually minimize and men exaggerate. Several studies have found that men report having twice as many sex partners as women. And a lot of men will brag about their sexual prowess. So they are, you know, bravado in the bedroom. But maybe that's not the truth once you get right down to it. Um, This finding has long puzzled sex researchers because it just doesn't make mathematical sense. But we also, it does give us a little bit of insight into men. And so I think men feel better about themselves if they exaggerate this number. Um, And men tend to estimate their partners where women are more likely to actually count them. And so that may be why women minimize them or may it seems like they might minimize them or they might lose track a little bit. You never know. Um, So also, genital stimulation isn't always necessary to reach orgasm. So for the 30% of the lucky ones who can have an orgasm with penetrative sex, you know, that does exist. So a lot of women, a lot of women don't realize that a woman requires clitoral, 70% of women require clitoral, clitoral, clitoral stimulation to experience an orgasm. And if you don't have a partner, or even if you do have a partner and you're still having trouble experiencing orgasm, one of the best 
I, I have to say the best tool out there is the Womanizer. It's a clitoral suckling or stimulation device. Uh, I had somebody email me. He said he bought it as a gift for his wife and she had an orgasm in less than a minute and typically it would take 10 minutes while he was resting on his elbow. So if that's the case for you, reach out and touch the Womanizer. You can get it at backtothebedroom.ca. Uh, we also learned about fantasies. We talked about that. They say a lot about your personality. 4,000 people were surveyed about their, sec- uh, their sexual fantasies and found that the content of people's fantasies was very much a reflection of their u- unique personality uh, traits. So in particular, the big five traits of openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism were all linked to the kinds of fantasies people reported having. Today, it's really easy to have a target of your fantasies. You can go online. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, they caught their husband looking at somebody else online while he was masturbating, or they think that they're, they uh, they were told that somebody masturbates to them or fantasizes about them while they're in bed with their partner. Um, so that's a very common thing. And also we learned that a lot of people occasionally report feeling tearfulness or sadness following sex. Rather than feeling good, some people feel sad or irritable following, following what is otherwise a consensual and satisfying sexual encounters, encounter or encounters. When, when this occurs, it's called postcoital dysphoria, and new research shows that a lot of people experience it regardless of gender. I've actually spoken to people who have experienced this, and um, it can still be associated with um, pleasure, extreme pleasure, and, um, and a very satisfying event, and people are not upset by this. But anyway, nonetheless, we learned a lot about sex in 2018. We're going to learn a lot more about sex in 2019. Well, I shouldn't say that because that's releasing dopamine as I speak. I am Maureen McGrath and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. This is the Sunday Night Health Show and have I got a news flash for you. When you think about hot flashes, what do you think about? Hmm, if you guessed menopause, you guessed correctly. But some hot flashes have nothing to do with menopause, and that just might surprise you. We typically associate hot flashes as well with perimenopause, and that's the years leading up to the menopause, but women and men of any age can experience hot flashes for several other reasons or reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with menopause, but it's a handy-dandy excuse. You can always say, I'm going through the change, and that's why I've got hot flashes and my mood is miserable as well. But it might help you to keep a diary of your hot flashes and that will help you to identify triggers and that will help you to associate what the hot flashes are likely related to. So they might be related to things, unfortunately, and especially at this time of year, might be related to red wine or stress. And those two things are extremely common right around the holidays. But this information can help your doctor figure out the underlying cause of your hot flashes. So here are the six most common hot flash triggers that have absolutely nothing to do with menopause. Menopause is a natural transition. And it's a great idea to go and speak to your doctor if you are experiencing hot flashes or any other symptoms that happen to be related to menopause because it's a physician who can help you to manage those appropriately and they will 
treat you based on the evidence, on the scientific literature. So you don't want to hear one woman's story, for example, and how she may have dealt with it using some herb or supplement or whatever. And you look at her and maybe she's overweight and maybe she's miserable and maybe she's got a personality disorder. Who knows? So all of those factors have to come into play. But your physician is educated and has a professional responsibility to treat you according to standardized guidelines. And you may or may not need treatment at all. Maybe there are some things that you can stop doing in your life or things that you can that you can manage. Anyway, if it's not menopause, there are some other common hot flash triggers. They are prescription medications. So a lot of people are on prescription medications. What I say to people in my clinical practice is, is the prescription medication working for you? If they answer no, I say, please go back to your doctor or may I suggest you go back to your doctor and you speak to your doctor about that opioid or that antidepressant or some osteoporosis drugs because those medications have a side effect of hot flashes. And so many people are not aware of that, especially if you haven't read the product monograph. That's also a great idea. Whenever you are prescribed a medication, read the product monograph. You are likely to have some questions. It doesn't mean that every side effect that is listed on there is going to, uh, you're, you're going to be affected by, but it's a good idea to have a conversation with your doctor and ask about specifics because drug companies have to put on every adverse event that is reported to them. And also if you have an adverse event that's not on the product monograph, may I suggest you report that to the maker of the prescription medication that you're on. And you know, prescription medication should not be the first line. There's many conservative measures that can be done uh, to help you with the condition uh, or for whatever ails you. So exercise, for example, is it looks like it is the fountain of youth. If you notice that a certain medication is causing your hot flashes, let your healthcare provider know he or she may be able to switch you to a similar medication that doesn't cause the side effect of hot flashes. We were talking about weight. Excess weight is never good. As women and men age, their metabolism slows down, unfortunately, which can lead to excess weight gain. And that extra weight can promote hot flashes. And so you hear men and women say, I'm sweating in the middle of the night. Just take a look at their gut. And that may give you an indication that That is the reason. Diet and exercise can help relieve those hot flashes. You want to eat a variety of vegetables and fruits, five to six a day, and also some whole grains. Limit your salt intake. In fact, taste your food before you feel compelled to put salt on it. And you also want to limit fat intake, especially animal fat. You want to get the good healthy fats like avocado. Get at least 30 to 60 minutes of moderate exercise over the course of every single day. That's every single day. It's like washing your face. You have to get out there and pound the pavement, do something. This is what will help you to feel well, will help your mood, and will benefit you in so many ways. And you can do gardening, you can do dancing, you can do biking, you can do aerobic exercise, you can do swimming, you can play tennis. All of these are great. And if you want to sleep better, make sure that your heart rate is up above 120 beats per minute for at least 30 minutes. That will help with your sleep. You may also have a food allergy, and that can uh, put you at risk for Hot flashes. And so some common triggers are diet-related hot flashes, and I'm sorry to report these. These are probably some of the favorite foods of many people, or shall I say liquids. Uh, alcohol and caffeine are two common uh, triggers that will trigger uh, diet-related hot flashes. So if your diet is consumed only of alcohol and caffeine, you might think of switching those out a little bit. Additives like sulfites may also trigger 
hot flashes. So it's important to pay attention to the ingredients that are on the bottle, shall we say. Um, pay attention to how your body reacts the next time you ingest any of them. And you know what? Denial's a drug too. So you want to be very careful that you're not denying, oh, it wasn't that glass of red wine that I had when actually you had a bottle. Um, but nonetheless, you might notice it fairly immediately or you may notice it later. Regardless, there may be some correlation. If that doesn't help, consider speaking with your doctor or a registered dietitian or a nutritionist about a structured elimination diet. Anxiety, so common. This is also where denial comes in. People would rather have a, a, a serious illness than have anxiety, yet anxiety is the most common mental illness in Canada and in North America. I wonder why. Emotions like stress, fear, or worry can lead to anxiety. A lot of people go to that worst case scenario. I'm going to lose the job. I'm not going to get the job. She's going to leave me. He hates me. Um, you know, I'm so embarrassed about this. And this can lead to a racing heart and nervous fidget. People worry needlessly, and worry is such a wasted emotion, not to mention guilt and remorse. You're not looking back because you're not going there. So look to the future. When you live in the past, you live in depression, but when you live too far in the future, you live in anxiety, but when you live in the present, you live in peace. So the present is the best place to be. That's the best gift you can give yourself. Fidgeting or, and uh, that racing heart, they're two of the classic anxiety symptoms. And feeling anxious can also promote hot flashes. And so the following are some effective strategies for anxiety. Of course, regular exercise, yoga, regular sleep, adequate vitamin D and vitamin B. And, you know, a little bit less so, but it's worth a try. Acupuncture, aromatherapy probably has a placebo effect. Massage, okay, that's always great. And I hope you gave your lover a one-hour massage from you, by you this year. If you didn't, it's not too late. The new year is upon us. Medical conditions such as thyroid disease, especially hyperthyroidism, you may experience hot flashes and excessive sweating. So if your problem is your thyroid, you'll likely experience other symptoms too, in addition to those hot flashes, you can have a racing heart, unexplained weight loss, thinning hair, nervousness, and irritability. And the last and final thing, which if it's hot for the wrong reasons, then that's not good. But if it's hot for all the right reasons, then that's okay. But a hot bedroom <laughs> may not be good if you're not the cause of it. Your body temperature naturally fluctuates throughout your night. So it's common for women and men to wake up in the middle of the night feeling overheated or sweaty. So if you notice your hot flashes come on in the middle of the night and your room is too warm, you have too many blankets or too much clothing, that could be your problem. And so that would be a good thing to shake. Take some of that clothing off. Sleeping naked is very beneficial for your intimacy level and uh, for your health as well. It helps you to regulate your own temperature. So, you know, you may, you might just turn down the thermostat, but increase the heat between you um, or sleep with fewer blankets or, as I said, clothing. So there's lots of things that you can do if you're getting hot flashes. It may not necessarily be menopause. A lot of guys out there who are experiencing menopause thinking, is there menopause? But it actually could be your excess weight, how much alcohol you're consuming. So, you know, this is the time of year that we make all of these New Year's resolutions. And so, you know what? A healthier life is the best way to be. I am Maureen McGrath and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. 
Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I am joined by the sex doctor on Twitter, Dr. Sarah Murray. She is the author of the upcoming book, Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men, Sex, and Relationships. She has a PhD in human sexuality, and she is a relationship counselor in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Thank you for joining me tonight on the program, Dr. Murray. Thank you so much for having me. So we don't often talk about low sexual desire in men because we we think that all men want is sex and men have larger than life libidos and that they want sex all the time. But that's not necessarily the case from your research. Not at all. Um, It's an incredibly narrow stereotype. It certainly applies to some people, but it is not at all um, the norm. Um, There is a lot more complex emotional nuanced pieces of men's sexual desire um, that I see in my clinical practice and I've certainly seen throughout my research. And it can be related to medications and medical conditions and pressure at work and all that sort of thing. But there's something else that we don't talk about. And that is that men's low sexual desire can develop as a result of sexual rejection from their partners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's actually a really common um, pattern that I um, men in my research have talked to me about, and I, I see in the clinical setting quite often. Um, and basically what it is, um, is, you know, men and women are raised in these very different ways in terms of how they interact sexually. So um, men are often taught to be the pursuer, the one that chases, the one that initiates sex. And women are the ones who more often have learned to be the gatekeeper, so the one who says yes or no. So in a lot of heterosexual relationships, and what happens is that the man usually initiates sex. He says, hey, are you in the mood? Maybe he makes a kiss, like some kind of advance. The woman says yes or no. In situations where the woman says no, and then no, and then no again, um, what happens is that, you know, it really takes a toll on, on men's self-esteem. It takes a toll on the relationship and it takes a toll on their sexual desire. Um, One of the most common patterns I see is that men who show up in my office with low sexual desire or when the woman's saying, hey, he doesn't initiate anymore, he's never in the mood, what's going on? Usually if we kind of look back in time, the pattern that developed was that he used to have an interest, he used to initiate, but he was told no so many times that he's just started to kind of put up some walls, put up some barriers and not feel interested anymore. Um, It was just kind of almost adaptive, like there's no chance that she's in the mood, so I'm gonna kind of reduce my own sexual interest as well. and so, you know, that's not in any way to say that women should be saying yes to sex they don't want to have, and it's not to put the blame on the woman. Um, it's just that it's a really common pattern that I, I find kind of can help explain why some men experience a lower sexual interest um, later on in a relationship. It makes a lot of sense. I see a lot of patients in my clinical practice as well, and there'll be, you know, two, three, five years, no sex whatsoever. And, you mm-hmm. know, it'll be this arm crossing. The woman will, you know, sit there, arms crossed. I I don't want to have sex. I can't tell you why. I just don't want to. And, you know, the man will say, you know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to um, ha- have an affair. I'm not going to cheat on you. But those are actually real risks. And do you find the men that have low sexual desire as a result of be- having repeated rejection, do they have developed sexual desire for somebody outside of the relationship? Or is it more an effect on their mood and their self-esteem and their libido is, is dropped and it's in their boots and never to return? 
without big changes um, or therapy. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, in my experience, it's more the latter. Um, it's not to say the first doesn't exist or isn't a threat or a concern, as you mentioned. Um, but in my practice, I'm usually seeing the, the individual or the couple who's still trying to make their marriage or their relationship work, and they are um, trying to figure out what they can do about it. So that it, it's not that it's never happened. I mean, people do look elsewhere if they're not feeling desired, if they're not feeling wanted, if they're not getting their sexual needs met. Um, you know, we know that it happens that people tend to look outside the relationship or be more receptive to attention that happens outside of their relationship. Um, but in my my experience, um, I, I kind of see it as more of that, you know, more of that depression, more of that pulling away, that emotional disconnect um, in the marriage that's starting to take more of a toll. Because this is, we expect uh, to get married and then have fabulous sex for the rest of our lives. And that's not the reality. But in part, that's the expectation because nobody talks about that either. They talk about the wedding uh-huh. and the, the gowns and the bridesmaids and, you know, uh, the dinner, sit down, buffet, uh, the $60,000 price tag. Uh, but really, in terms of the um, the sexual chemistry, the uh, advice from a sister, a mother, it's it's really still taboo in this incredibly sexualized world in which we live. And so I think that contributes to the stigma and the shame around, hey, I'm not having sex in my marriage when somebody realizes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really struggle to talk about um, what sex looks like in longer term relationships still. Um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that we think it should be effortful or effortless. We kind of consider at the earlier stages of a relationship that, you know, sex just happened. It was authentic. We just kind of fell into bed. Um, we didn't really have to try. And so once we have to start trying and making an effort and prioritizing it because of all these other competing things, you know, whether that's, you know, a mortgage or kids or pets and jobs and all that kind of stuff, we have to prioritize our sex life if we want it to, you know, to thrive, if we want to continue to feel that passion. And I think a lot of people struggle with putting effort into their sex life because it feels like even doing so makes it feel like there's a problem that has to be dealt with, which isn't so sexy for a lot of people. Interesting. Um, but we do know that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Interesting. I know. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but we do know that um, even at the beginning stages, you know, when you're dating, I mean, we, we put a lot of effort into how we look. We think about, you know, kind of what we're going to talk about. We're putting our best you know, face forward, where you go on a, you know, out for dinner, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that we actually did that made sex even effortful at that time. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it, I totally agree. It just felt natural, but um, yeah. So to kind of make sure that sex takes a priority, that you're still talking about it in a long-term relationship, that you're still curiously wondering about yourself and your partner is so crucial to keep that passion alive. Right. You mentioned something about how, you know, we used to get dressed and, you know, wonder how we looked and we wanted to look our best and, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of brides lose weight. So body image is a big issue for women. How about for men? Do men lose sexual desire because they don't feel great about their body? Yeah, I, you know, I do see that. Um, And again, in our our culture is still so, um, you know, much more focused on women's bodies being objectified and, you know, there's so much more, you know, makeup and hair and all of that stuff. Um, but absolutely, um, you know, when, when anyone puts on weight, you know, it just affects our mood, it affects our interest in, in everything, like how we dress, how we carry ourselves, and all of that's going to play a role in terms of how um, sexually desirable we feel or how interested we are in sex ourselves. Um, and so absolutely, I've, I've heard men, um, you know, in their 40s and 50s kind of talk about, um, you know, I'm not as in shape as I was in my teens and 20s and wondering if that might have kind of, um, if that's playing a role in their sexual interest. And they um, can so be. I absolutely see that. 
Yeah, they they can get into shape. You know, get off the couch, <laughs> change the diet. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This Unless is... there's a serious medical, um, you know, problem that's keeping you like bedridden. Um, yes, you can get up and move, or kind of consider it's okay for men to put um, effort into their looks. I mean, I think there was a a period of time where we were kind of, you know, using that metrosexual term as if it was a bad thing to care about your appearance. Um, you know, wearing nice shirts, caring about your, um, you know, manscaping and whatnot. Um, it's, it's great to take pride in your physical appearance and most women appreciate it. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. I had a letter recently from a listener and, and he said that a bunch of guys were hanging around talking about their sexless marriages and, you know, and some of them did end up with low libido. And, and so in order to deal with that, instead of uh, going outside of the marriage or cheating, they went to high performance sports. They went to adrenaline rushing type Types of activity. Um, do you find mm-hmm. uh, men do that, and, and is that where they get their excitement and their pleasure? Um, it, uh, it that steps a little bit outside of my um, particular research, but now that you're saying it, it is definitely one of those uh, you know correlation versus causation. Um, but now that you're saying it, I'm like, yes, there. I, I do kind of notice that a lot of men kind of have picked up an extra sport or or kind of reconnected. Um, you know, with their gym membership or what have you, if if sex is kind of, um, you know, not as frequent that they are looking to kind of experience those endorphins and, and um, you know, that excitement or, you know, increase in arousal in other areas. Exactly. And that's safer than some of the social media sites that they could be going to. It's never been so easy to cheat, never been so easy to get caught either. Dr. Sarah Murray, the sex doctor, author of the, the upcoming book, Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men's Sex and Relationships. Thank you so so much, Dr. Murray. Great information. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.